And I don't think players just have it or don't have it. I think you have to invest the time in perfecting your craft, and that comes that becomes more than just than just being able to write you know write down game plans or hit you know hit 500 balls and all of them you know be lined rise right past the pitcher's head. So if you want to be a student of the game, I think one you're going to develop a, a love and appreciation of it beyond what you thought was possible. And it's, it's going to benefit everybody, including you. Hey, I'm Ashley Agle. Some of you might know me as Ashley Burkhart, and I'm a former D1 and professional softball player who spent a few years coaching in the college game before deciding to put all of my focus into youth softball players and helping them make their dreams and their goals happen for them. It's our job to help them unleash their potential and become the athletes they've always dreamt of. I come from a small city in the Midwest and didn't let that stop me from making my goal of playing D1 softball a reality. No matter where you live, you have the tools to help you thrive, and I am hoping through this podcast to help you get there. On this podcast, you'll learn from Olympians, Hall of Fame coaches, and elite players what their journeys have been like, and you'll also learn from me and my family a bit of our journey through the game. I'm so excited to have you here, so whip out your notebook and let's learn how we can grow in this game together. Welcome to When the Cleats Come Off. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I'm your host, Ashley Agle, and I'm so excited to give you another episode with my dad. So if you haven't noticed, last week, my dad has been on the podcast for the first time ever, and it was highly anticipated. Many people were asking and begging, really, for him to come on and share his experience, simply because I share a lot of stories about my upbringing on this podcast. So finally, last week, we were able to dive into my softball journey with him. I also asked him to give his version of my timeline within softball from Little League all the way to collegiate ball. We didn't really dive into pro, which maybe we'll do in the future, but his timeline of coaching me and handing me off. And it was a really, really cool insight, especially from my side, because I saw my journey a little differently than him. We also went into why our practices when he coached me in travel ball were so much fun. And I think A lot of times kids don't like to go to practice and we loved going to practice. So he shared a little bit about that on the first episode as well. He also talked about what it was like transitioning from an A, B level travel team to an elite level travel team in order to make my dreams of playing collegiate ball happen. So that was a little bit of what you can find in episode one. If you haven't listened already, I'm going to really recommend you go there because context coming into episode two, which is today, is going to go a little bit deeper on a few of the things that he talked about in episode one. This episode is going to solely be a little question and answer. So some people within my academy community have asked questions specific to my dad, and I shared with him a few of the questions that were asked. One of them being, when is it time to let go of coaching your daughter? And then how do you show up after that? My dad did a, he had, he did a really good job of just making sure that I was always being coached and growing. And once he felt like, actually, I don't want to go into it. You need to listen to this episode to learn what his answer is. I'm really bad at that because I want to share everything at the beginning. The second question that he answers is, how do you find the right coach for your athlete? And I think this is a really good one because um, I always share that my dad was one of my greatest coaches and I've shared why, but even his perspective on when it was time to let go and find another coach for me was... 
a really good insight that I loved hearing from him. We also dive into who's the favorite sister of the three of us, which he did not like to answer, and the most memorable team that he coached, and so much more. These two episodes have been a highlight of this podcast for me, and I hope you're enjoying it, and I hope you love part two. All right, let's dive into part two with my dad, Scott Burkhart. So those those were the things that that together we, you know, we did well, and then you basically showcased yourself and and maybe maybe you were seen in times where I wasn't even looking cuz I know I never asked you to look mm-hmm. cuz I think kids can get confused about that you know they're they're at the plate and all they're doing is thinking about the one college coach that they that they know came to the game whether yeah. they came to watch him or not and you just lost all your focus so I know I didn't want you thinking about it and and I tried not to either and then I don't know if I Maybe it wasn't luck. Obviously, you, you you had done a lot of work, but we showed up at the right place at the right time, and they made they you know they asked you to be a part of that team. That was scary. I, it was nuts. I mean, I just remember seeing some players who have, who had already committed to play in college at sixteen years old, mm-hmm. and I had dreams to play at that age. And you and I had both talked to you have to play on a team where you're going to compete and fail a lot and have to showcase yourself under pressure. And that was that was the best solution. And yeah. it did feel like luck, to be honest. Well, I mean, there's an element of, element of luck, no doubt. You know, I think I read something just today that someone posted about, you know, when it comes to playing on a high-profile team and sitting the bench – because there's 26 players on it or or you just aren't in the top 9 or 12 versus being on a lesser known team join the less but be, but be able to start or be able to get a lot of at bats and 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 you know work your way through you know whatever comes in terms of tournaments mm-hmm. in terms of you know uh, the type of competition you get to see take the ladder you know, because there aren't that many blue chips out there. And just because you get asked to be on a team doesn't automatically make you that blue chip. Mm-hmm. And I and I agree with that. I agree with that to a certain degree. We, we didn't really get into my first role of coaching when I was 19 years old, coaching uh, baseball back home for American Legion uh, in the uh, Junior Legion age group, which was 13 to 15. So me and two friends were coaching... Uh, um, the the, the all, coaching for the team that we had played for just four years earlier, three mm-hmm. years earlier, and the experiences that we had there. But my uh, my good buddy who who is still coaching in that area at at our high school now, you know, we had a we had a conversation one time about what travel sports was doing to everything. Baseball from his perspective, softball from my perspective, and and I, you know, I, I shared with him that story that I just gave you. Now is that, you know, without you being asked to play on that team that took, you know, it more or less took you away from any local competition because mm-hmm. we traveled a lot. By comparison, there's teams that probably travel three and four times more than we did, but it was still a lot for us. But it was, it was targeted to some very specific tournaments, and we got what we wanted out of it at those tournaments. So, 
And he was like, well, no, you, you don't need that. I'm like, well, you kind of do. You know, and he, he would give stories of baseball players that would play, you know, basically at colleges regionally, but these aren't, you know, these aren't, you know, the Arizonas or, or the equivalents of that. And, and 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 I agree with both positions. I mean, had, had I not moved out here for basketball, met your mom, stayed out here, I'd probably still be coaching uh, there with him, <laughs> taking the same position that he was taking. But not knowing that, well, again, back to that original thing that we talked about, what more was out there? Yeah. I'm glad that I, I mean, obviously, if I wouldn't have played for Magic, I think I wouldn't have been as prepared. Maybe I would have committed to play at Purdue, but I wouldn't have been as prepared to compete against the best if I hadn't played on that team. Everything's a learning step. Everything is, and and, and, you, and you don't second guess it. At least I I don't second guess anything. There was an opportunity to leave the year before. Now, would that have changed anything? I mean, and again, that would have been total luck. Would um, Coach Marr had seen you a year earlier? Would that have changed anything? She saw you when she saw you, mm-hmm. and things happened from there. Mm-hmm. But to not be on that team, you know, your path is going to go in a different direction no matter how small a, a tweak you make to it right so so yeah yeah I mean, it, it probably would have been different but you know i know I, I know i am and i think you're thankful for you know how it had how it happened definitely and we didn't even get into the camps part and going to to camps and all that stuff but i think we're gonna have to save that for a later date mm-hmm. i want to i want to dive into a little segment haven't called it anything but a few people have asked me questions mm-hmm that they want to know from you. Some are moms of athletes, dads of athletes, parent coaches, and these all came from social media or via text with my academy members. But the first question that I have for you came from Katie. How do you find the right travel ball coach? You dove into it a little bit about, you didn't even know the travel ball coaches at IMG, but you Mm -hmm. kind of trusted them. But some people are out there trying to find to make sure their athletes being coached by someone good. I, I, I mean, I, there really isn't one way that will be the foolproof way to to make it happen. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, had I not the you know the the experiences growing up, the the coaching that I had that you know both was good and 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 on the flip side the kind of coach I didn't want to be mm-hmm. I mean the the kind of, I mean I, I can't write down what makes that perfect coach right um but I guess I guess you look at I guess you look at you know what what you want out of it and what your daughter would want out of it and there's no better person or people to know, you know, your child's personality than the parents, mm-hmm. and 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 personalities are key. You know, there are there are many talented players that w- went to a, a, a strong coach, whether it was you know personal lessons or on a particular team, and it was it was a disaster. You know, so you had a you had a great 
player and you had what was perceived as a great coach, but their personalities just didn't gel. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, there are there are those stu- there are those players that want a lot of coddling, uh, a lot of you know reinforcement of you know how great they are, and there's players that respond better to you know getting you know kicked in the butt once in a while, mm-hmm. or a blend of of any of those extremes. I feel like I was a blend. Was I a blend? Well, I, if if I lean you on either side, I think you were more on the side, and that's because of me. I think <laughs> that you know, I I think I gave you more of the kick in the butts than I gave you, you know, oh you're so great, right? You know, in fact, I never would say oh you're so great. Other people would say it, and I might recognize it, but to know you're great or to think believe you're great kind of takes the challenge of. Well, what's better than great? As opposed to, yeah, you, you know, if you're, any story, yes, you had you had five assists, but you had two turnovers. Oh, <laughs> the perfect example for you is, oh, is, is your volleyball serving. Oh, Lord. You, I could not you, get it in You play. planted, probably, if there was a record, if there was, if I was like I'm not and kept stats on you from the time you first started competing in sports, you probably would have set a record for the number of facials that you gave opposing volleyball teams on your serve. That's fair. They, you would just smack them in the face and <laughs> you'd smack them in the face again. This is off of a serve and it wasn't a jump serve. And that sounds all great and funny and, and it's true, but you probably also set the record for a number of balls that hit the back of the gym. Right. Right, it's so, like hitting a home run. So that's the thing. So don't get so inflated over you know the great things you're doing, and I'm not denying that they were, you know, super strong at that age, you know. But how do you not make the errors? You know, so in volleyball, once everything went to rally st- scoring, your your net points for off of your serve is probably zero, right? Yeah. As many points as you got, you probably had had service errors. I agree with that. And so that's why, to answer the question of, on the coach, you know, you have to you have to understand the personality of the of the player, your 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 child, your daughter, to try to see if it fits. And then and there's a lot of things that do go into it. And and I and to be honest, this is part of that game within the game, and it's the part that I like least. I liked least. I still like it least. But now you're starting you, the parent, the 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 parent daughter team is starting to evaluate things like well how many slappers and she's a slapper or how many pitchers and she's a pitcher or how many outfielders and she's an outfielder and how many coaches are on this team and what and what positions to their daughters play and where are you going on tournaments and hey is it okay if my daughter misses you know these weekends because there's a wedding or there's a camp for another sport or we always take our vacation at this time and so you start playing those games and so there is no real great answer and and for someone like me who who's not a salesman in any type of way i was always leery of the salesman type mm-hmm. you know but i was almost forced to try to be one when I was 
a head coach of a travel team to try to attract players. And and I think you may have, you know, experienced a little bit of that, you know, your time volunteering, you know, in college with with, you know, coaches and trying to keep players incoming players, high schoolers yeah. interested. You tell them how great without committing them, yeah. you know, without without, you know, shy of the commitment, shy of the hey, we're going to offer you X, Y, or Z, and you're going to be our number one recruit of that graduation class and all of that stuff. So I think, and I, and I, and I wish I was able to tie this into a, a, you know, a sentence or two, the best coach is the one that you will be most comfortable handing your daughter off to. Now, you have to figure out what that means, though. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, and it shouldn't mean... When you go, let's say they have their own workout facility, that he's got, you know, a wall full of national championships. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's not a factor and that's a variable that you want to use the process, but you have to look at the other things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's likability. I mean, there's, there's, you know, what's the demand? What's the cost? I mean, so it, it, there, there are so many pieces to that puzzle that it's not just a one word answer. Yeah. If I was still doing it, I would say it's me. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't if you can't play for me, I'm sure there's lots of other coaches that are out there, but hmm. I I worry about I worry about me. Hmm. And and here's what I have to offer. So again, I, I don't like the ones that just Tell you walk in and expect. Well, there's that. There's that. That's the one scenario. And then the other scenario is, you know, you either do or you don't. I don't I'm not going to try to sell you on anything. And yeah, if you want to play, you want to play. I think there's a there's a blend to that. Yeah. But if you find yourself more comfortable with one of those types, then sure, why wouldn't you want to explore it? Right. I mean, because because they're not committing anything to you more than one year. And although, you know, teams want to stay together and players, you know, make, make friends, you know, it's, it's, it's the business that you see in college sports and professional sports and in, in every sport, you know, it's, there's changes that happen all the time and you have to, you have to be able to adapt with, with them. And if you're, if you can't, then you may find yourself fairly disappointed. Yeah. And it's, I don't, I don't think I had perfect coaches. I mean, there's no such thing, but. I feel like you also can't really, you won't know unless you try though as well. Like I don't, I'm scared for the people who won't change teams because they're nervous to have a coach that's bad. But I think that's just part of the learning curve as well. Yeah, no, no, without a doubt. But again, if we're talking about you as the player or you as the parent, I'll I'll say it again. Keep all the, the crap outside of the actual what's on the field and the preparation for playing out of the out of the kid's head and you know you ha- you have your own heart to hearts with yourself or with your spouse or with your friends or you know get advice and, I mean not advice that you're just going to blindly follow but just you know what does it mean what I mean what are the potentials and 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 it's easy to go around and and, and this is what you know our organization at the time was doing it was like okay we were you know touting hey there were 90 players and all but one Got a Division One in the course of uh, I think it was only two or three years, and had to be more than that. The number was ninety, maybe it was five or six years. Uh, all but one got a Division One offer to play softball. Mm-hmm. 
Does that mean you're supposed to run and jump to be on that team? No, mm-hmm. it's not. You have to find the fit, and you have to also be realistic with yourself. Now, you know, you haven't asked this, but the the player that you know as, as your child develops, you're you're going you're going to have to you know try to take yourself out of the place where you're naturally just going to put your your child in the position of saying, hey, th- hey she is this and she is great and she is best to look at it from a from a perspective of okay now i've seen a lot of different players i've seen the progression you know do i think do i still think that she can play for ucla or should i be looking maybe a notch or two or three or four or however many notches there are below that you know Based on what she is, because it's because the athlete at like eight may be a whole lot different, you know, at fourteen or fifteen. Heck yeah, and I so sucked you, at eight. So you have to be able to. So you have to be able to adjust that, um, and you have to also be able to factor, you know, the player that was very tall and strong in fourth grade and fifth grade, but topped out because. You know, she hit puberty and at that age versus mm-hmm. the one that hits puberty, you know, two or three years later. Right. And to see if that changed when they went from, hey, I'm pretty dominant at the younger age to, no, I got to work more now. Yeah. And do they want to work more? Yeah. Wow. it's a good answer. All right, we're going to take a minute to do a little listener shout out. We haven't done one in a while, but we just recently got one from last week's episode that just made me smile. It's called The Episode I've Been Waiting For. Here's the review. Love the perspective Ashley brings with her firsthand experience is tremendous. But she decided to interview her dad, Scott. Let's just be honest about who's listening to these podcasts, parents and coaches. Scott's account of Ashley's journey and the times they spent together is a treat to my ears. I'm a softball dad as well and love to hear what other parents did or are doing with their athletes. Thanks for everything you're doing, Ashley. Aloha. And if you're listening from Hawaii, I am so excited. That's awesome. I've been there once. I wish to go back. And this review made me smile simply because I have aspirations to get more parents on the podcast, more than just mine. We've got some interviews in the works and I'm really grateful to have my dad on this week. So I hope you're learning a ton. Thank you for this review. And please, if you want this podcast to grow and you want it to get into more ears and grow this game, write a review on Apple Podcasts or just share it with a friend. That's all I ask from these episodes. And I just want to thank you so much for listening. All right, let's head back to the episode with my dad. All right. Next one comes from Corey. She actually has three athletes, three daughters as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and she asked, as they age, better, more experienced coaching comes into play. So mom doesn't have to do it all. How do you gracefully turn all the hard work you've put into them or put in up to this point over to someone else? And what does the next phase for me look like? Support, extra reps, mental training, it's a very good question. Well, I mean, every parent has to let their kid go at some point. I can speak for what it was like with you guys, and and even more so in basketball than it was with uh, uh, with softball, because I had you guys at your middle school, grade school, middle school, 
uh, for three years, and I knew who was coaching the seventh and eighth grade. Yeah. I had absolutely no problem in vo- in basketball. Yeah, I knew nothing in volleyball, so that was fine. <laughs> but but in basketball, I had I, I, this is your baby basketball. Well, yeah. This I mean, is- I mean, I didn't I didn't look at it any differently than softball. But th- the fact that in the grade school, middle school um, around here, basketball is so much more organized and so much uh you're you're allowed to dedicate more time to it to practice to have games whereas in the midwest and softball half or more of your games are going to get canceled two-thirds of your practices are probably going to be canceled because there's snow on the ground or it's 33 degrees so just to stay focused with basketball i was able to you know give you guys as much as i possibly had at that point again age appropriate kind of things i wasn't asking you to you know, do things that I didn't learn until I got to college. So I was trying to find what the age-appropriate thing is for the team, for the for the individual players. And then, you know, I just was fortunate to have um, the guys in front of me. I found that we were all on the same page when it came to things. So I had no, I didn't have any trouble handing off either. Now, if I was somebody who, I mean, take for example, take for example. With Anna in volleyball, yeah. Had I coached or attempted to coach volleyball, just because they didn't have a coach, I probably would have been good at fifth in fifth grade or sixth grade. We would have figured it out, right? And I would have totally had no problem handing them off afterwards. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I would say about you know the handoff is is how well do you know what where you've gotten them? I mean, if you've gotten them to a to a place where you know, I, I'll, I'll tell you right now. There, I, I'll, I'm not going to go ahead and say I, I knew, and I had, I had taught you everything that I knew, and, and and it had evolved past me, and that, and then I'm handing you off because of that. Unlike volleyball, mm-hmm. where I would have said, yeah, 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 I can only go so far with this. I won't, I won't, I won't make that claim in basketball or softball, and that's not arrogance. I hope it doesn't sound that way, but. What I will say is that in developing my own style, it was pulled from every experience I had from seventh or eighth grade mm-hmm. when I was that young. I'm sorry, seven or eight years old from when when my dad was involved with it, with the coaches that I had, again, the good, the bad, the camps that I went to, the teams that I played for, what high school, you know, what our high school was like and, and, and all of that all the way into college. I was always looking to find out more. I was always looking to experience that which I didn't know. I'm not going to say I know everything about either but about either of my two sports, but I've always been willing to learn. And if I recognize something in the next coach, by the way, and I'm talking about up to college because after that, couldn't care less, right? Mm-hmm. I'm expecting that the person that's making a living and being paid to be a coach to be, you know, whatever it needs to be. So, but going at that time between, you know, maybe maybe it's middle school to high school, maybe it's, you know, freshman, sophomore to junior, senior in high school, you know, you have to have you have to have a lot of confidence in what you gave or what you contributed to their to their training and their preparation to somebody that's going to be able to pick it up and run with it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what that is. But you but you don't want to just hand them off to somebody who who doesn't seem like they have, you know, their heart in it or right. 
they're looking at it as a, a money maker, you know. And again, I think we just really were fortunate to have, you know, to not have an organization that was that big, that you'd get lost in the shuffle, that there was a lot of individual time dedicated to the player themselves, not just, hey, go work on your own, show up, and I'll showcase you, mm-hmm. but to actually participate in the development. And, sure. then, and then there's the availability. I mean, you know, if we're looking at when you talk about handing off a coach, are we talking about for a team, for a season, or are we talking about, you know, we used to hit, you know, play soft toss in the garage, and I want to, you know, look for a, a specialized coach, whether it's, again, pitching, throwing, running, hitting. And, you know, that's where, you know, I guess the best thing to do is not to, not to be totally committed to it without doing some research and, you know, try it out. I guess something, point, something else that I would point out is that after you did commit to, to your first, you know, hitting instructor that wasn't, you know, your dad, I was with you at most of those, you know, just to, you know, shag balls, but really to just pay attention to pick up new things. And that's what we worked on. Yeah. I think a major limitation is if you are going to go have you know try to commit to a coach and let's say you are going to go to that coach consistently only to have come back and have your parent or some other coach tell you don't do it that way mm-hmm. or yeah yeah I don't know why you're doing it that and again that just puts doubt in the player's head and why would you want that yeah so you know we came back and we stopped almost entirely everything that we had been doing together. Mm-hmm. And we just focused on the things that you were learning. And again, right. it didn't have to be this breakthrough drill that once you had it, you know, everything just became easier. No, it was it was a learning curve. It was a step. So if we were doing something this and and that coach said, no, you know, I'd I'd like for you to, you know, work on this, we would just go ahead and do it. So you have to be willing to accept coaching mm-hmm. even as a parent mm-hmm. you have to be able to accept that you have to be coachable so parents have to be coachable too and I'm not talking about personalities now I'm talking about the specific you know drills and say okay let's work at it and you know what if you don't even understand why that is who cares right but don't put doubt or questioning into your own mind or to your daughter's mind because I tell you what, it's just going to set you back. Yeah. I remember you'd even sometimes be in the cage next to us <laughs> trying out drills cuz you were just you were just so eager to learn and I think that definitely like I adopted that, the girls have adopted that. And I think that's one of the key things. It's like you were still learning even when I went to college. You were like, "Hey, so what are you learning?" "Hey, so this looks different." Yeah, I, and you were just curious, and I loved that. Right, I, I just had a genuine interest in it. I've always, you know, I, I've always just liked being a student of the game, you know. And now that I, you know, and well, I won't get into refereeing now, but that's kind of the thing. Do I, I'll watch you can do a ba- that later? I'll watch a basketball <laughs> game, and and I find myself just watching the referees because because yeah. I'm, I'm refereeing now, and and I'm just trying to be a sponge on on what I'm saying. But the same thing, I don't think you can reach a limit. Of, of what you can know you know you talk about you know you talk about softball IQ or basketball IQ and and it, it's it is a thing it's an intangible there's not a stat on it 
but it's an intangible that you know players and I don't think players just have it or don't have it. I think you have to invest the time in perfecting your craft and that comes that becomes more than just than just being able to write you know write down game plans or hit you know hit 500 balls and all of them you know be lined rise right past the pitcher's head. So if you want to be a student of the game, I think one you're going to develop a, a love and appreciation of it beyond what you thought was possible and it's it's going to benefit everybody including your team yeah yeah well there's more questions and i think we're gonna have to save them for another date but can we end with five to thrive rapid fire questions is that what you do yes everybody has five to thrive now some questions are particular to you that i've never asked anybody else before obviously because your dad but some of them are common ones, so I know you've listened to a few podcasts, so you might you might be interested in one okay. or two of them. Um, this is normally also when I say, how can people follow you and keep learning from you? But I think this podcast is going to be that one. All right. And you'll be back, right? Sure. You better come back. Sure. There's so many other places we could have gone today. All right. First question that I want to ask you is, what was your favorite team that you coached? And this could be any sport. This could be basketball, softball. What was your favorite team that you coached and why? Let me tell you, I'll give you the most memorable team. There you go. That's kind of what I wanted. The most memorable team was the very first year I coached baseball. Again, that was when I was, I aged out at 18. I was coaching 13, 14, and 15-year-olds playing Legion baseball, junior Legion baseball, in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I was with my two best friends, and I coached third base. My other, my other friend was, our, was the manager. And the most memorable thing about that was the fact that, and we didn't know this at the time, was that the parents, they were besides themselves thinking that this team got handed over to three 19-year-olds. And it was at that moment, because by the end of the season, I mean, it wasn't even just the end of the season, but when we had the season-ending party, the parents were like, wow, you guys did a great job. They're like, you know, you don't know how nervous we were. And so I wouldn't say livid. I wouldn't say that they were, you know, ticked off about it, but they were just like, oh, my gosh, what are what our kids are going to be subjected to? Mm-hmm. But the three of us just gelled. Um, we each had our own roles. It was when I first found out how winded I could be when I talked, like this interview is proving. <laughs> Um, it's okay. We're almost done. So that 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 uh, without a doubt, that was my most because it was my first memorable experience coaching. Good answer, and it's safe because you don't have to. I don't have make to any say. of your daughters nope. upset. What's your favorite thing about the game of softball? And remember, this is a rapid fire. So I'm supposed to answer like one word. <laughs> it can be one word. It can be anything. My favorite thing about softball, yeah, is that my daughters love it and I love it. I mean, nothing specific about it. Just. Love it. Don't make me cry. What was your favorite travel ball moment? And again, I don't care if it's me. I was very fired up when, I'm going to give you one for all three, so too bad. <laughs> when you had your first home run, and you've talked about it on your podcast, it was, a, it, was a, it was indoors, but it was legitimate. It was. Shot because it was a squared off center field, and you put it directly over center field. It was a grand slam, wasn't it? Walk off grand slam. Yeah. So that was, that was, that was really cool with you. <laughs> That was one of my top five. Yeah. Anna's 
Was this just about softball? Or it could be. You said you were going to choose all of us. So yeah, when Anna took a charge when she was in fifth grade in basketball, dude, I remember she this. She was giggling so hard. <laughs> you know, I showed. We just showed. You know how to take a charge in practice, and it happened in the game. And Anna, Anna, before she before she stopped listening to me. She got over there, got right in front of this out of control player, and she got blasted. Yeah, I'm, I watched her get set back. I watched her little butt bounce on the ground, <laughs> and I was looking at like with my eyes. I was all surprised, and and she was just laughing her butt off <laughs> because the, the ref called the charge. Um, That's amazing. Oh, uh, Christina, it was the home run in Tennessee. Yes, yeah, it was the home run in Tennessee. She's had a lot, you know, from breaking her nose. On a fly on your ball. birthday, uh, on, on, yeah, on my birthday, but the home run against Tennessee to win the first the first game of uh, regionals of yeah the first game to get in because they were the undefeated team so we had to beat them twice right but we beat them one nothing off of off of her home run yeah that was cool I was getting text messages during that game from people like yeah. hey she was just on ESPN your comeback in high school oh, at the uh, for the state finals. Oh. That was a big I one. got I got really really excited about that one too. I, I you know nobody knows me on the, on your podcast, but I usually don't get that excited, especially <laughs> when it was my daughter. I, I was climbing the fence when when we were coming back and with Maureen. Um, I think we should just do a whole segment sometime on that game. That would be. I mean, we had it was so bad. It was so bad. We had yeah. nine errors. Yeah, it was terrible. I threw a ball over the catcher's head at shortstop. I mean, it was good. It was good television, really. <laughs> I mean, it was like you know, it's you know, it had it it had like you know, like a, a classic you know, tragedy. Totally, you know, you know where like was, the best comeback and ever. And we're all on the sidelines saying, "Well, you know what? It was a really good season. It was a really good season." Yeah, <laughs> I think that started when they put you into pitch. Oh, geez, probably. <laughs> it was a really good season. <laughs> Our pitcher, our pitcher had hurt her back. Oh no! And, uh, and I was not anticipating throwing. And you hadn't in pitched in weeks. Nope, nope, not in I mean, any not even at all. game. Right, right. We're definitely going to do a whole segment on that game sometime. We might have to get like Maureen and Andrea, everybody, in on this one. All right. Next question: Who's your favorite kid? Um, Anna. It's obviously Christina. Oh, it's Anna. <laughs> Anna and I both think it's Christina. I know. But Anna's the best because she, I, I, she likes to pick bones with you, and I think you enjoy that. No, I don't have a favorite. <laughs> I know, Dad and Mom always claim it, but so still, there was, Anna and I are so remember was it was it this is kind of famous maybe everybody knows it but Bob Knight was was a uh, was asked when he was still coaching before he you know lost lost favor and, and kind of went. Out, you know, out into left field with uh, some of the things that he was doing, but he was always kind of pushing the envelope, if not going over it. But nobody seemed to care until until later in his career. But he was asked about his doghouse, and he goes, and it was like, "Do you have a doghouse? And is Jimmy whatever uh, uh, in the doghouse?" He goes, "I don't have a doghouse. I have the players that do what I ask, that come and work hard and show some, you know, ability." And and if if you if you have those things, and I don't remember if those are the exact three things or if he had five things that he said, and and my point that used to drive you guys nuts when you used to say Christina was my favorite, and was, that's what I would say. She doesn't complain. She does what she's asked. And what? 
Well, I don't see why I wasn't that kid, but it's fine. Before I ask the last question. So you've never told people this, and I'm going to qualify that because you were just pointing to yourself and this. There was a difference. Now, Christina got to watch everything that you were doing, and that's what made it easier for her as, 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 as is obvious. But when we were, when I was talking about you, you know, trying to say, well, where do I want to be? Do I want to be, again, best player in the state? You know, best player you know on my college team. You know, when I was doing that, there were a lot. There were lots of times where I had to poke you and say, "Hey, we need to go hit." Yeah, I never had to do that with Christina. Well, because I was always hitting with you, and that was exciting, and she went and did it. She took less lessons. I was. Listening she took earlier. less lessons than you did. So yeah, because you, you learned when I had lessons, father. You taught her what I had learned. No, no. What my point was, she would come to me and say, "Dad, you're not watching football today. You've got to, you've got to, we've got to hit." Oldest daughter be, props. And that would be in the winter, where you would look outside and say, "Nope, nope." <laughs> we also had the advantage of playing basketball in the winter, but I enjoyed that a lot. All right, before I ask the final question, I need to thank you for spending some time with me today, saying yes to being on the podcast. Honestly, I think it took so long because I just didn't, I wasn't sure where we were going to start, you know? Yeah. And, and, and really in, in, in my mind, and even though I think we only agreed to this a couple weeks ago, or was it even just a week ago? Was it longer It's a couple weeks ago. You know, I remember you had asked originally and I had said, I was like, I'm not in that space anymore. My mind isn't even in there. There's not, Anything of value I can contribute, even to just tell stories, I wasn't there. In fact, you remember it was funny, and I, and I was I was joking, but you you oh, yeah. you had asked a question in the kitchen, <laughs> and everybody was home, and I was like, "Do you want to know what I think? Don't do it. Nobody do it. Stay out of sports. Stay in school." I think I recorded. Do it. not do not go. Do not do sports. It's not worthwhile. You're not good. And none of it was worth it. Jokingly. At that, I mean, partly, you know, that's just where that's just where my head was at that point. Right. Not that I regretted anything. I mean, it was just but, a tough you know, season but, for everything, right? It, it may have been. I don't know if it was specific to any one thing or any one season or whatnot. But but there are a lot of struggles that go on being being an athlete, and it's not just in college; it's in high school, and they grow the same way the the development grows and the competition grows and the talent grows. So does. The pressure, and, and and again, that's not, you know, a revelation or anything like that. But you have to be flexible. You have to be, and I've heard you talk about it times too, where you know you don't let your highs be too high or your lows be too low. Well, and how, so how do you stay even keel? And I don't know how you do it. I mean, I really don't. It's not like I, but I would think that I kind of have that again mm-hmm. without some of those times that I was just explaining your high school mm-hmm. game Christina's home run where you know I was bouncing off walls with joy but I had but I didn't have that many on the other end and it wasn't because they weren't there Christina broke her nose Christina broke her hand you know you got hit in the face with a you know a steal attempt you know those are the things that parents just say we should have never done this mm-hmm. you know at least you can let yourself do that and and I'm not saying I didn't dive down there but you come right back up into that even keel, you know, well, just go about business. That's true. It's funny how my husband's the same way. Um, thanks for coming on, Dad. One more question. You ready thanks. for it? What's one piece of advice you would give a parent or coach out there that's just trying to figure it out? You could just pick one thing. 
let the experiences happen. Again, to, to what I was just talking about. There, there's going to be lots of good. There's going to be lots of bad. There may be long stretches where you don't think it's good. And this is this is what builds character. This is what you know allows you know the child to to see you know again overused cliche what they're made of, and you know it's not for everybody. And there is so there are so many talented, talented, crazy talented athletes out there that it could have just been one thing. If there's fifty things that get a kid into college playing a sport it could be one thing that that derails it and so you just have to be able to roll with the punches and be flexible with it so good so good so many beautiful gems from this episode i know people are probably going to listen to this one on repeat just because they get your perspective instead of mine i just really enjoyed this so much well i have enjoyed listening to your podcast (laughs) i didn't i didn't pay him to say that (laughs) i I find myself wanting to coach them, and I've got again no no reason to coach want my to. podcast. Yeah. Oh no, I'm going to coach you after this interview, Dad. <laughs> I'm all ears. We're about to drink some bourbon and, and chat about this conversation. Yeah, no, no, you're doing you're doing awesome, and uh, and and it's a great it's a great medium to have that that wasn't that wasn't around, right? And um, and you know your listeners do well to keep on listening to you appreciate you dad don't make me cry love you all right i love you you're coming back on soon okay can we soon (laughs) whatever that means man i just love my dad i loved that he finally decided to come on Uh, because there was a period of time where he just didn't want to. And it's crazy the feedback that we've already gotten from from episode one. And I hope to hear from you what you think of episode two, either by writing a review or sending me a DM on social media. (laughs) We got so much feedback. I've never gotten more feedback from an episode as part one did. So I can't wait to hear what part two brought you. And I just really enjoyed listening to my dad share his perspective of our journey. And I want to also remind you that everybody's journey is different. No two people are walking the same path. Yes, you can learn from people who you inspire to become, like we were talking about with Caitlin Lowe and things like that. And my my sister had a little bit of an easier time growing up in the game simply because she got to watch me do it and my dad got to experience it with me. But everybody's road is different. My road is different than my sister's, even different than my third sister from my second. So just know that no journey is perfect either. And ours wasn't perfect, but it was imperfectly perfect. And I'm so grateful dad could be on. And if you could do me a favor and really let me know what parts maybe you wanted a little bit more elaboration on. I, some people have already shared from episode one what they would like to hear more of, but I was thinking we could dive into my experience going to camps and on college visits and the art of slapping because um, we dabbled into it a little bit, but I moved from the right side to the left side around 11 or 12 years old. And that was a hard transition, but one that I couldn't have made without my dad. So what do you want to hear? Let me know. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I'm so happy you were able to dive in with me and enjoy this experience with me. And just thank you. So I hope that you stay awkward because awkward is great. 
Stay humble, keep smiling, and keep pushing towards your greatest goals because it's right around the corner. See you next week.